If you're new to uh, Living Church and to our gatherings and different things, this may be new to you, but we're stepping into a new series called Juice. And uh, we kind of launched it a little bit last week when we were together, but we're starting a new series called called Juice. And, and what this really is about is we're going to look over the next several months over what what is it that a New Testament church produces? What is it that should outflow, should, should come from a New Testament church whether that church is here in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, whether that church is in Colorado, whether that church is in China or Colombia, wherever it might be, wherever the church is gathered, it's going to produce the same thing. And that's the juice. Just like an orange produces orange juice, the church produces church juice. And so we're going to look at what that juice is over the next several months. And maybe this is new to you this far. I don't know. Did anybody have a glass of orange juice this morning? Several of you? Okay, good, good. How many had the pulpy kind? Shame on you. Shame on you. I, as we learned last week, I can't stand that. It's like eating coconut in your, in your orange juice or layers of grass or blades of grass. Now, I, I did a little study on orange juice. I'm not a big connoisseur. I do like to drink the non, non-pulpy orange juice. But I don't know if you know this, but the USDA, um, Department of Agriculture, has come to us and said, listen, we need a certain amount of vitamin C in our bodies in order for us to have healthy bodies. Okay, there's a certain amount of vitamin C, and that vitamin C helps our immune system, helps us have a healthy immune system. So I was doing a little research on that, and here's the great thing about orange juice. Okay, I have here an 8-ounce glass of orange juice. Now, your body needs a certain amount of vitamin C every day in order to maintain its health. And what's so cool about orange juice is in one 8-ounce glass of orange juice, you get all the vitamin, you, vitamin C your body needs every day. All right, so, so this is eight ounces. We measured it to the T, okay, as far as this is eight ounce glass. So if I drink all this orange juice, my body will receive all the vitamin C it needs for today. All right, so I'm, you know, I'm not getting any promos, any kickbacks from any Tropicana or anything like that. I'm just telling you that your body needs vitamin C and orange juice does the body good. All right, it, it has what your body needs. And as we think about the church, I got thinking about this and I got thinking, okay, why does the world need the church? I mean, why? I mean, if we're going to look at what it is that a New Testament church produces, before we even get into that, we need to ask, does the world even need the church? Does the world, do your neighbors, does your neighborhood need the church? Does this community, does our city, does this campus, does your campus, where you are at, does it need the church? And that's a pretty critical question. Because if it doesn't need the church, then what in the world are we doing? Right? If, it, if, if the world does not need the church, then there's no business gathering and being about knowing Christ, living Christ, making Christ known. And obviously, I believe the scriptures teach that the world does need the church. You see, the world needs the church because the church has what the world needs. You're going to hear me say that over and over and over again. The world needs the church because the church has what the world needs. Well, what is it that the church has that the world needs? I mean, before we can look at what a church is to produce, we better come to the understanding of, does the world need us, the church? And by church, I'm not referring to a building. I'm referring to those people that have been transformed by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If, that, if that's you tonight, if you have claimed Christ and Christ is in you, and you have transferred your sin, we talked about the debt has been paid, and your debt has been paid by Jesus Christ on the cross, and you've transferred your life over to Jesus, you're part of this movement called church. Because Christ is in you. Does the world need us? Does it? 
I believe the world does need the church because the church has what the world needs. Well, what is it that we have as church that the world needs? Here's what we have. We have a transforming gospel. That's what we have. We have what the world needs. The church has what the world needs because we have a transforming gospel. That's what we have. Now, what's the gospel? Go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I just want to kind of, if we're going to talk about the gospel tonight and this transforming gospel, we need to understand what the gospel is. Colossians chapter 1. And if this keeps ringing, I'm just telling you I'm going to turn it off and and grab one of these deals. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. So here's the gospel. Paul lays out for us what this gospel is because we're going to be talking about this gospel tonight because our world needs what we have and what we have as the church is a transforming gospel. And here's the gospel. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 through 23. Actually start in verse 15. He, referencing Jesus Christ, Paul says, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, by Jesus, all things were created. Jesus is involved in creation. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. So you have purpose here tonight. You were created with purpose. And your purpose is to be for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything Jesus might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus when Jesus came to us, as we sing about tonight, to earth and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated, you were separated from God, and you were enemies in your minds. Why? Because of your evil behavior, because of my evil behavior. It's our fault that we're alienated from God. It's your fault if you're separated from God tonight. But now, here's the best part, but now Jesus has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight. By Christ's physical body through death, there's the cross, to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. And what's Paul's next phrase? This is the gospel. What I've just told you is the gospel. Here's the gospel. Jesus made us, and He made us for Himself. Jesus gave the opportunity to love him back. What did we say? No way. We don't think we think you're holding out on us, Jesus. So we then get separated from God because of our evil behavior. We become broken. We become sinners under the just wrath and judgment of God. All right. We need now a redeemer, someone that's perfect because we're broken and broken can't fix broken. So God, in his great love, as we sang about, goes on and on and on. His love goes on and on. He says, okay, I love you. I'm sending Jesus to you. So Jesus incarnation comes into our world, dies on the cross, crucifixion, comes back to life three days later, resurrection. Now we have redemption available to us. So now you and me can have relationship back with God again, not because of you and me, but because of Jesus. And we just believe that. God says, just believe that. Believe that Jesus died for you, that he came back to life for you. And when you transfer your life to Jesus, the spirit of Jesus comes into you and puts you back in the right relationship with God. That's the gospel. That's what Paul said. This is the gospel we're talking about. And what, we just, what Paul just lays out here in Colossians, it's a transforming gospel. 
It's a transforming gospel. You see, our world, our city, your neighborhood, your families, your marriages, your campus, your friends, they need the church. Why? Because the church has what the world needs. And the church has a transforming gospel. It has a transforming gospel. Go to the book of Acts, chapter 11. We have to define the gospel if we're going to understand how it transforms. Acts chapter 11. You see, this transforming gospel, our world, our city, our communities, our campuses need the church because the church has what the world needs. It has a transforming gospel. And this gospel, it's so beautiful, this gospel redefines and unifies. It redefines and unifies. Now, if you live in the world today, which you do, um, you know that, okay? You live in the world, you know that we live in a world that's divided, right? We live in a world that's divided racially. We live in a world that's divided politically. We live in a world that's divided socially, economically, you name it. We are a world divided. And all over the world, people are longing, saying, how do we get this thing together? Can't we all just get along? What do we do? How do we unify this thing? Right? How do we get there? And the answer is the gospel. Because the gospel redefines and it unifies. Check this out in the book of Acts. Let me show you. Acts chapter 11. It says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So by apostles and brothers, he's talking about Jews. Now, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but Jews and Gentiles didn't really like each other very well. Okay, they, they weren't like really getting along too well. They, they, you know, it wasn't good for a Jew to go visit, even be in the presence of a Gentile. And you can read that in chapter 10. Just go over to chapter 10. I think it's like verse, um, let's see if I can find it. Verse 28. Verse, yeah, he says this. You are well aware that it is against our law, Jewish law, for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. So they're not... They're not good buddies. They don't get along. There's friction there. There's a division there. And these apostles and brothers, they hear that these Gentiles, they've received this gospel. And so what do they do? Peter comes up to Jerusalem. He tells them this. And the circumcised believers, verse 2 of chapter 11, those are the Jews, criticize Peter. They're like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? What are you doing hanging out with these Gentiles? We don't, we don't mess with them. We don't spend time with them. We don't visit them. They start criticizing him. Verse 3, they said, you went into the house. Man, you didn't just talk to him on the street. You actually went in. What are you doing, Peter? You went into the house of a Gentile, of uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. They're all over Peter. These Jews are all over Peter for spending time with this Gentile, Cornelius. Cornelius, that was the, that's the man's name and his family, because Peter went. God showed him and said, you need to go to Cornelius. He's a Gentile, and you need to tell him the gospel. And if you, if you can read in chapter 10, now here's what's amazing about Cornelius. Cornelius gave money to the poor. And we're like, is he in? Is he in? God says, no, that's not the message. You can be as good as anybody else, and that does not rescue you from your sin. Jesus does. Jesus rescues you. Because if that got you back in a relationship with God, then Cornelius didn't need Peter to come to him. But God sent Peter to Cornelius because Cornelius had all this right stuff, but he didn't have Jesus. Peter, to tell you this message that will rescue you, Cornelius. And the Jews find out that Peter was hanging out with Cornelius. They're like, what is up? What are you doing to? What are you doing hanging out with this guy? Acts chapter 11. So they're criticizing him. They're all over him. But look at verse 18 of chapter 11. It says, When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance 
unto life. Verse 2, they're all over Peter. What are you doing hanging out with this dude, this Gentile? We don't do that. Verse 18, they're like, awesome God. This is amazing. So they go from criticism to celebration. What happened? The gospel happened. This transforming gospel broke down this wall of division racially, religiously, politically, broke it down, removed it. The gospel removed it. And now these Jews that were criticizing in verse 2 are celebrating God. Because they're saying, wow, even Gentiles can be saved. Even Gentiles can be saved, it says. And Peter, verse 15 of Acts chapter 11, he says, as I began to speak, he's kind of describing to these guys that were criticizing, he's describing to them what took place with Cornelius. And he says, as I began to speak, you know, the, the Holy Spirit came on them just as he'd come on us when we received Christ. And he said, I remember what the Lord had said, verse 16, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, so if God gave them the same gift, same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? So here you have Jew versus Gentile. Verse 2, criticism. Verse 18, let's celebrate. Why? The gospel transformed. It removed the barrier. The gospel does that. Keep your finger in Acts chapter 11 and go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. So Jew and Gentile believe the same message. They believe Jesus. They believe the gospel. And when that happened, the same Holy Spirit came on Jew and Gentile. They believe the same message. And the same Holy Spirit came on them. Well, what happened? Ephesians chapter 2, the gospel is what happened. And Paul describes it. He says, for he himself is our peace, referencing Jesus, who has made the two. And he's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's made the two one. And he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing it in his flesh, meaning the cross, the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace Verse 16, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You have this division. You have this barrier. You have its race, its racial barrier, its political barrier, its religious barrier, and the gospel removes it. Why? How? How does the gospel remove something that for years we in our culture have been trying to solve? Here's how. It redefines your identity. The gospel redefines you. You're no longer defined by what country you're a part of. You're no longer defined by how much money you make. You're no longer defined by what you do for a living. You're no longer defined by who you are, how many kids you have, where you live, what side of the tracks you live on, what side of the river you live on. You're no longer defined by that. The gospel destroys all of that because now the gospel is Jesus Christ comes in you. That's your, def- your definition. That's your new identity. That's what the gospel does. It transforms. It redefines who you are. These guys, these Jews were like, wow, the gospel's even come to Gentiles. They got Jesus. We got Jesus. Awesome. They struggled with that for some time, trying to figure that out, because for years and years and years they weren't to get along, and now they're like, i got to get along with these guys. Whoa, these guys got Jesus too. they got the same Holy Spirit. This is amazing. And that's what you have. That's what the gospel does. The cross removed the barrier. It destroyed it. 
And so when those who come to Christ, they're no longer defined by what you do. You're no longer defined by what you do or who you are or where you live or, or whatever. Jesus Christ defines you. You are in Christ. And is that not what Paul said in Galatians? Go to Galatians chapter 3. This is so powerful. Because you guys, we have, as the church, we have what the world needs. A transforming gospel that redefines our identity and it unifies Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, Paul writes, he says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, check this out, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus if you belong to Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, Through Jesus, the walls that divide us racially, politically, economically, socially are removed. It doesn't mean that the rich become poor and the poor become rich. What it does mean is that no longer defines who you are. When the gospel comes into you, you're no longer defined by those things that our world defines you by. You're defined by Jesus Christ in you. And so that's why we are about the church, whether that church is in China, Columbia, Colorado, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. Why? Because we're in, those that are in Christ, hello brother, hello sister, we're, that's what defines us. And that's what Paul was writing in the book of, of Corinthians. And he's talking about one faith, one baptism, one Lord. You're all members, different members of one body. Why? What unites you? Christ, re, Christ unites us as the church. So we have a transforming gospel that redefines our identity and it unifies us. So as we're praying with those that are from different countries tonight, some of us, and they're in Christ and you're in Christ, this is amazing. You're no longer, it doesn't matter what somebody looks like or what you do. What matters is do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Our world that's divided needs the church because the church has a transforming gospel that redefines and it unifies We saw this when we lived in Dublin, Ireland. Some of you know that we lived in Ireland for like two and a half years, and some people that are here tonight came and visited us, and we were part of a church called Grace Fellowship Church. I remember on one Sunday, they got up, the person leading the worship gathering said, I'm just curious, it was right in city center Dublin, and all kinds of international people were there. It was amazing. I remember they just kind of said, you know, those of you that are not from Dublin want you to stand, or not from Ireland, stand. Okay, and so, I mean, it was amazing. Probably about the size of this gathering, maybe a little bit more. And by the time, they just went around and counted how many different countries were represented in that small gathering. It was over 25. Over 25 different nationalities, nationalities were represented in that gathering. And they were all there under the banner of the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they were not defined by where they lived or how much they made or what they did. They were defined by their identity in Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel does. That's what it does. It transforms our identity and it unifies those who are in Christ. And so tonight, where is your identity tonight? Is your identity in Jesus Christ? And as a church, we better be sharing this gospel because it is this gospel that redefines and unifies. A world needs the church because the church has what the world needs and it has a transforming gospel, a gospel that redefines and unifies, but it also does something else. This transforming gospel not only redefines and unifies, it gives and it serves. Look at verses 27 through 30 of Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. So we have a world with overwhelming needs. We got a hurricane going on on the East Coast. We got earthquakes. We got all, and that's just us. We got a whole world that's hurting. 
a whole world with overwhelming needs that needs this transforming gospel. Look at, look at what the gospel does in Acts chapter 11, verse 27 through 30. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Verse 29. The disciples, the church, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. What's going on here? Here you have the church. Here you have those that have been transformed by the gospel. They hear that something's coming. There's a need. What do they do? They give and they serve. They give. And they're like, okay, this is what the gospel does. It gives. The gospel serves. We live in a world that has overwhelming needs. Listen to some of these needs. One billion people are undernourished in our world today. One billion. 1.8 million people die every year due to poor drinking water. 143 million, there are 143 million orphans in the world. There are 3.5 million people in the U.S. alone that go homeless every night. 3.5 million people in the U.S. are homeless every night. Now we can sit here, we can stand here, we go, it's so overwhelming, the needs are so overwhelming, and we're like, I can't meet every need, it's okay, just meet some needs. We can't meet every need. But when we've been transformed by the gospel, we give and we serve and we meet needs. That's what the gospel does. And our world is overwhelmed with needs, and you've been transformed, and if you've been transformed by Jesus, then this gospel propels you to give and to serve. And that's what the church was doing here in Acts chapter 11. A famine's coming? All right, here you go. And I love how it says, each according to his own ability. Nobody's like, I gave more than you. I gave. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your status is, how much money you make. What matters is, you know what? If you've been transformed by the gospel, you're going to give and you're going to serve because that's what the gospel does. And you can see it again in Acts chapter 2. The church who is transformed by Jesus Christ in the gospel. And check this out, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and following. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Verse 44, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, I, you know, I've never heard someone say that's their life verse. You know, what's your life verse? To sell all my possessions and goods and give them to anyone. I mean, that's, we just don't make that our life verse. Why not? The gospel gives and serves. And that's what you see in the first century church. They're selling stuff. And every day they continue to meet together in the temple. Of course, they broke bread in their homes. They're enjoying, they're praising God. It's not like, here you go, here's my car. Dang it. Man, now what am I going to do? It's like, here's my car. And they have a car, but here's my camel. You know, or, or whatever, I don't know. Here's my stuff. It's not mine anyway. You've got a need, I'm here. We're here to help you. Why? Because I've been transformed by Jesus Christ, the gospel, and the gospel gives and the gospel serves. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. No one's going around, mine, 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 like a Nemo, you know, the little birds. No, no, not, that wasn't going on for a century church. It was yours, 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 yours. It's what was going on. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. Verse 34, therefore, or, or there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, here we go again, life verse. Those who owned lands or houses sold them 
brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. And they didn't even need to know what the need was or who it was specifically. They're like, you're the leader of the church. Here you go. Here's some money. Use it for needs. Now, it's just like, you, you need it? Here you go. Here's my camel. Here's my kid. Not really, but, you know, here's whatever you need. There's a need, we're going to give it. Why? Because when Jesus transforms you, when you're transformed by the gospel, it redefines your identity, it unifies, it gives, and it serves. And that's what we see in the first century church, and that's who we are, church, and we have what the world needs. We have it. That's why the world needs the church. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Listen, do not grow weary in doing good. And whenever you have opportunity, do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Just listen as I read this. As Paul describes to the believers, this is what it looks like to live as the church. He says, love must be sincere. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Share. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Basically saying, come alongside one another, would you? Live in harmony with one another, verse 16. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Why can you do that? Because that doesn't define them anymore. They're defined by Jesus Christ. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul is describing to the the church in Rome he's saying listen this is what it looks like when people are transformed by the gospel this is what life looks like it's a life that gives it's a life that serves why how do we know this is the motivation or this is the attitude of the church that's been transformed by the gospel because our savior lived this way when we look at Jesus and we are overwhelmed with the grace that we've received from Jesus, how can we not give and serve? Because it says in Mark chapter 10, Jesus what? He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, it says. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, consider others better than yourself. Why? Have the same attitude as Jesus, the one you follow. When we've been transformed by the gospel, we will give and we will serve. We will give and we will serve because that's what gospel living looks like. You see, the church has what the world needs because the world needs a new identity. Our cities need a new identity. Our neighborhoods need a new identity. Maybe you here tonight need a new identity. You need to be restored in your relationship with God. It's through the gospel that that will take place. We have a transforming gospel that redefines our identity. It unifies us. It gives and it serves. We have a world that's divided. We have a gospel that redefines and unifies. We have a world with overwhelming needs. We have a gospel that gives and serves. And we have a world that is begging for a permanent solution. Right? How, many, how long have we been trying to solve all the problems? I, I don't know. But I can probably say it's been a long time. 
We've been at trying to solve all the world's problems for a pretty long time, at least as long as I've been around, so at least 38 years or so, and I'm guessing more. All right, so, and we're, not, we're solving some, but we're not solving all. And so the world is like, man, if there's just something permanent, there's just some, man, if we just, man, if there's just something that would just solve it all. And we have a transforming gospel that, you know what, wins. The world is begging for, begging for a permanent solution, and we have a transforming gospel that wins, that is unstoppable. Go to Acts chapter 11. Check this out. Acts chapter 11. The world needs the church because the church has what the world needs. And what we have as church is a transforming gospel. And that gospel redefines, it unifies, it gives, it serves, and it wins. It's unstoppable. Check it out. Verse 19 of Acts 11 says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from... They're like, we're only telling it to Jews. We know Jesus come and he's like, you know, into Gentiles too and... We got that. We're all about that. But I'm really struggling with that. We're just going to keep telling the Gentiles. I love where it says, and some of them, however, were like, awesome. We're going to the Gentiles. We're going to tell the Gentiles about Jesus. They need to know Jesus. And so they're going to the Gentiles. As we began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Look at verse 24. Talking about Barnabas. It says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You see, we have a world that is begging for a permanent solution. And as a church, we have a transforming gospel that wins. It's unstoppable. Persecution did not keep the church from sharing and living the gospel. Didn't matter. The gospel transformed them. They had a new identity in Jesus Christ. Persecution didn't stop. It wasn't matter how tough life was. We have a gospel that our world needs, and we got to tell it to people. That's what you saw in the church in the first century. Acts chapter 1, we, had to, we as a church have, a, and, and the church all over the globe, those have been transformed by Jesus Christ. We have an amazing, unstoppable power, and His name is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, it, it's very interesting that, you know what, Jesus didn't say, hey, just go. You know what, I'm heading back home, just go. He said, no, 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 wait. Wait until you got this Holy Spirit that's going to come, and He's going to empower you, because you can't do jack on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to do it through you because He's all-powerful and He's the one that's going to empower you to go communicate the gospel that our world needs. So we've got an unstoppable mission. We have an unstoppable power in the Holy Spirit. And one of my all-time favorite verses about the church, Matthew 16, 18, and you need to go there. And if you haven't underlined it in your Bible, do so. If you haven't put it on your forehead, do so. Maybe. It says this in Acts chapter, or Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is talking. Peter just says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, and on this rock. And the rock he's talking about is Jesus Christ. The rock that Jesus Christ is God. He's the son of the living God. He's the builder. He says, I will build. Jesus is talking. I will build my church. And what? This is so powerful. And the enemy, the gates of Hades, hell will not stop it. Listen, if I'm not a big risk taker, but if I'm going to put all my life, I'm going to invest, invest everything that I have into something, I want to invest it in something that I know is going to win. Jesus says the church will win. The church wins. It's unstoppable. Hell itself can't stop the church. Why? Because the church has a transforming gospel that wins. Jesus wins. And Jesus is the one building the church. And our world is begging for a permanent solution and the world needs the church because we church have it. 
It's called the gospel. It's called Jesus Christ. And I've always thought of this verse as where we the church are the ones with the gates, right? And hell's kind of storming us. That's not what it says. Who's got the gates? Hell's got the gates. Who's storming the gates? We are. We're not on the defensive, people. We're on the offensive. We're going. We're storming the gates of hell. There are people in there who need to be rescued. And it's on us to go share with them this transforming gospel so that they can be redefined by Jesus Christ. It's on us to go to them. We storm the gates of hell. And hell can't stop us. Not because of us. Good grief. No, because we got Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit. We got God the Father. We have a gospel that's powerful. And Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the, of, of the gospel. Why? For it's the power of God under salvation for the Jew and the Gentile. Right? I want you to listen to something. Have you heard... There is an existing movement present in our world today seeking to end racism, political divide that frees slaves, that unites the poor with the rich, houses the orphan and homeless, feeds the poor and homeless, elevates family, marriage and singleness, cares for the environment, defends truth, resists conformity apart from truth, loves community, sacrifices for the community, unleashes creativity, appreciates creativity, creates culture, forgives at all costs, loves at all costs, tolerates truth, does good to all, loves enemies, demands justice for evil, risks risks danger, risks death, risks life, appreciates the individual, shares life, gives, serves. This movement is not is this movement is focused, not frantic. This movement is on mission. It is active, not passive, wild, yet under control. This movement will not and cannot be stopped. It is a movement existing to change the world and will succeed and one day reign. This movement is an unstoppable force. Do you know this movement? Do you know what that movement is? It's the church. It's the church. It's the church. Not on its own. You remove Christ from the church, you have nothing. We are nothing without Christ. We're nothing without the gospel. But have you heard of that movement? It's called the church, and the church wins. Why? Because we have a transforming gospel that wins. The world needs the church. Why? Because the church has what the world needs. And what we have is a transforming gospel that redefines our identity. It unifies, it gives, it serves, it wins, it's unstoppable. That's why we're all about the courageous thing coming up in a few weeks. Why? Because we believe God will raise up men and transform families when those men come in contact with the gospel. It will transform them. That's why we're all about that. That's why we do Live Christ Now projects. And that's just the stuff that we know that's going on. Some people are going to nursing homes. They're mowing people's yards. They're serving neighbors. We don't know. We don't publicize that. Not on purpose, just because we don't know. But people are living the gospel, and the gospel's transforming our cities and our communities. And a world needs the church because the church has what the world needs. And so the next question I have for us is how in the world do we get the gospel out? How are we going to do this? All right? How? We've got a transforming gospel. We got what the world needs. How do we get it out there? The same way they did in the first century. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Same way. Let me show you. This is, the, this is the vision, okay, of living church. I told you that. I'm coming over here. Now, I'm, I'm, like, I'm a big fan of like the UPS commercials and stuff like that. When the guy draws, you're not going to get anything like that. 
okay? I'm just telling you. This is the vision that we have for Living Church as it relates to transforming cities, the world, through the gospel, okay? And we're just one expression of the church. There are churches all over the city, all over northern Kentucky, that are using the gospel and getting the gospel out to transform, okay? We're not the only one. And if they are, if they are transforming or using the transforming gospel and getting the gospel out, we're behind them. Okay, we're, we're, we are behind them. I don't want you to think that, wow, they got this cool vision and we're the only... No. Okay, we're just one expression of the larger body. But this is what we believe. I'm going over here. This is what we believe, God, how God wants us to do this. Okay? Sorry. Okay, here's the river. That's called the Ohio. Okay? Up, man. I'm afraid to move this because if I move it, it's going to all fall because it's pretty, pretty um, not good. Anyway, so here you got Cincinnati. Okay? And here you got Northern Kentucky. Okay, let's do this. Okay, it's kind of a couple counties and all that stuff. Cincinnati, North Kentucky, Ohio. Now, we're living church, right? We're just one expression of the, of the greater church. Here we go. We got a little gathering over probably over here, kind of. Okay, that's us. Okay, now that's us. We're here tonight, and some people are here tonight, and you're hearing about the gospel, and maybe there's going to be people here tonight and be like, I'm in. I need Jesus, and their lives are going to be re- redefined by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Awesome. And see, if you, let's go ahead and put our logo up, guys, with the tree. We, we got another way to, to kind of visualize it. But here we go, got this gathering. Now we have what we call living communities. All right, it's taking this, and it's making it smaller, and it's people coming together, sharing life, living the gospel, and as they live the gospel where they live, the gospel is going to go out, and it's going to change people's lives. And so here we go. We got this. We got a living community right now, kind of over Taylor Mill. We got one um, out here, okay, Mount Auburn area, out here, okay. We got one here. There's talk of another one, like, um, coming down the pike in, in Newport. Um, there's talk of one over in Anderson. We just got two. We're just starting out. God's doing it. And we're not saying this is a program. We believe that as the gospel transforms you, you will live the gospel out. And so here's what's happening. Our belief is this. As these guys live the gospel out in, in Taylor Mill, they're going to have people that say, you know what, this gospel thing, just Jesus, it's amazing how he transforms our lives. So they're going to go out, and maybe they're driving in, to this Taylor Mill thing, maybe they live over here, like in Wisconsin, okay, or something like that, and they're like, man, we're driving all the way down to Taylor Mill, why don't we just stay in Wisconsin and live the gospel in Wisconsin, that would be pretty awesome, so now they're starting it, right, and now the gospel's in Wisconsin, it's still, it's already there, but it's hitting another area of Wisconsin where the gospel needs, so the gospel's there, Jesus is transforming Wisconsin, and then you got it over here, and then maybe out here, these guys are like, man, we're gonna go, like, down here, which is like Tennessee, Okay, and we're going to start living the gospel down in Tennessee, and so the gospel is going to change Rocky Top, and, and it's, going to, it's going to do amazing things there, and this, this over in Anderson, maybe they've got people coming into the Taylor Mill one or the Mount Auburn one, and they're just in the U.S. for a short period of time, but the gospel transforms their lives, and they live over in China, you know where they're going? China. And what's going to happen in China? The gospel is going to go to China because they who are in China that were here, they're now taking the gospel and living it in China. All right, this is, and, and so what you got? You got this, you got another one here, you got another one here, got another one here, another one here, another one here. And it's not because now we're going to start living communities. Who would like to volunteer to live? That's not what we're doing. This is, when you understand that Jesus changes your life, it's life-changing. You will see your life differently. You will live differently because you understand that our world needs the gospel and we get the gospel out. It will transform lives. It will transform campuses. Maybe there's something going to start on NKU and I believe it will or UC or CCU or wherever you are at. It's the gospel. 
It's not because we start some little group. It's because the gospel is lived out. That's what changes. Because we have a transforming gospel. We've got the tree. And see, we, we visualize it this way. See the little seed thingies that are going off? All right, this is like living church, right? The tree's living church. And then that's you. You didn't know that, but that's you. And now you're, I hope I don't mark on that. Okay, Brian would not be happy. So that's you, that's you, your family, and you're releasing from the tree. And what are you doing? You're going into the soil, living the gospel, because the gospel transforms people's lives. And what's cool about this logo, thank you, Matt James, is we've got more just trees going up. Why do, why, that's on purpose. Why? Because we believe that as you live the gospel, the gospel will go out and it will flourish and it will transform people's lives. Because that's what the gospel does. That's what living church is about. And that's not just us living church. That's the church. That's the vision God has for the church. Is that not New Testament? Isn't that what they did? We just read it. They scattered. God had to scatter them. God had to persecute. Why? He did it. So now what are they doing? They're taking the gospel here. They're taking the gospel there. And it goes from Jerusalem to to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's God's vision for changing the world with a transforming gospel. Are you in? Not are you into living church. Are you in? Are you in Christ first? Is Christ in you? Is your identity found in Jesus and Jesus alone? Maybe you came here tonight. I'm going to ask the band to come as I'm talking. Go ahead, guys. Come up. And as they're coming, I want you to just ask yourself the question, is Jesus Christ in me right now? Do I have Jesus tonight? Is my identity found in Jesus? If not, right now, in this moment, call out to Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and He will come in, and that gospel will transform your life. It will transform you. Or maybe another question when it comes to are you in is maybe, yeah, Christ is in me, but you know what? When it comes to the church, man, it's unstoppable because it has an unstoppable gospel. And we're like, we need to be in. We need to be in. We need to be connecting with an expression of church that's about the gospel, that's about sharing the gospel and living the gospel. We want to be that kind of church. We're not perfect. We will never be perfect. All right, there are a lot of imperfect church expressions out there. We're one of them. But we will be about the gospel, which is perfect. That's what we will be about. And you either need to get connected with living church or some expression of the church that is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's stand together. Let's stand together. And I want you to ask yourself this question, is Jesus Christ in me? Is he in you? If he is, celebrate. You are part of... Your life has been changed. God is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And you're part of a movement that's unstoppable if Christ is in you. If he's not, call out to him. And those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, he says. And if you're part of the church, celebrate. Celebrate. Because we have a gospel that changes the world. Let's sing to this Jesus. Jesus, we call out to you now. and Let us sing our hearts out to you. Let us rejoice, for you have come and rescued us. You have saved us. And because of that, you have given us a message and a gospel that will change people's lives and change our city and change our world. Help us to be a church, the church, that takes this transforming gospel to those we live in, to those we live by and live near. For we give you all the praise and the glory. We thank you that you were into us 
And so now may we be into you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.